0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the quarantine
1: ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 605 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. I'm this week's head number one, but
0: you might know me as the internet's Joe Patrick. And my name is Matt Baum, and the other head around here. In this penitent episode, Joe and I are continuing our sentence and being forced to review another stack of DC future state comics. And it about our must-read picks for next week in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. So... Hope you look good in orange jumpsuits, listeners, because if we're going to prison, we're taking all you fuckers down with us. It's Future State Review Time in the Diggerot!
1: Welcome to part two of our DC Future State coverage, where we couldn't be happier to... Do we really have to read this?
0: Ow! ow.
1: Okay, okay, We, we couldn't be happier to be reviewing every number one issue... Of the D.C. Future State event, and we've got a whole pile here that hit the stands this Tuesday, January 12th. Those
0: bulls aren't messing around today, are they? Jeez, (laughs) They're not.
1: Now, Matt, I'm going to go, I'm going to see if the guards can loosen these restraints now that I've settled down and I'm no longer threatening to hurt myself.
0: Good luck. Why don't you start us off this week? My first review this week is of Future State Dark Detective. Number one, you may have guessed, it is in fact published by D.C., It was written by Mariko Tamaki, with art by Dan Mora and Jordi Belair on colors. There's a backup story, too. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, with art by Carmine D'Angemenico. Bruce is down and out in superfuture Gotham, ruled by the magistrate. The news is reporting Batman is dead, and Bruce Wayne was killed a few days after. Bruce is basically homeless after using the rest of his fortune to buy his anonymity, which... I'm not sure what that entails, but you would think a guy that knows new gods could figure something else out. Well, I'm not sweating it, just saying. (laughs) After witnessing a mugging in an alley, Bruce realizes his mission, it isn't done yet, and the Dark Detective is born again! Then we get a grifter backup featuring Cole Cash trying to get Luke Fox out of town. That is pretty much a hilarious chase scene from page one to the end. The setup is a lot to swallow, of course, but no worse than the City of Bain storyline, I guess. I will say, they mentioned credits instead of money in this, so I'm wondering if Gotham also seceded from the union, <laughs> but... Oh, I don't know. I whatever, yeah. Tamaki's script is spot on, and Dan Moore's pencils are literally better than they've ever been. The story glows with future techno magic, thanks to the colors of Jordi Belair. The grifter backup was laugh-out-loud funny with. Excellent dialogue by Rosenberg, and action-packed, incredible art by DGN Domenico. I am not sure what vision of Gotham's future this is, but it's much closer to the highly advanced techno city that we saw in last week's Harley Quinn than last week's next Batman. And I sincerely hope Rosenberg at least gets a grifter project out of this, if nothing else. It was a great issue. I'm giving this a buy-it. Yeah,
1: I liked it a lot. Um, I I will say that all of the Bat-related books this week were equally futuristic. Definitely. Um, The
0: only one that hasn't been was that next Batman, which just kind of felt like.
1: And so, but also, this is something I noticed, uh, is that in this issue, uh, Tim Fox is being, uh, not Tim, uh, Luke Luke, is being rounded up. They're rounding up all the former capes. Right. And, of course, we all know that Luke Fox was Batwing.
0: They know and, that, but Dad does not, apparently.
1: <laughs> no, apparently not. But in the next Batman from last week, he was just going about his day-to-day business. So maybe this takes place later.
0: Yeah, and we're, we're going to discuss a lot of that, I think. Like, is this before this? Is this after this? And I think it's all things that could have been pretty easily sorted out with one sentence, but regardless and i have and i happen to think
1: book. that it's something that is probably not the point and we shouldn't be focusing on it too much
0: i mean i can't help it and nobody can, and i'm not alone here i read a bunch of reviews of this too they were like when is this happening It said exactly what you said last week's next batman dude was just around doing his thing no problems this week he's under arrest and they're living in the future <laughs> so Yeah, and he hasn't aged Uh, that much either he still looks pretty good now maybe he's just aging gracefully i don't know (laughs) so maybe
1: uh i'm giving this a bite as well i did really really enjoy it i am very excited for mariko tamaki and dan moore to be on detective when this is over
0: yeah mark Um, this a huge win for those two that's awesome
1: yeah and that grifter story was pretty great oh it's fun first up for me is future state justice league number one Some years after their respective debuts, uh, Future State Justice League brings together a group of legacy heroes uh, like John Kent, Yara Floor, Tim Fox's Batman, Aquawoman, Joe Mullen from Far Sector, and the mysterious New Flash, who happens to be from a different Earth. Their exploits are already the stuff of legend in this time frame, but this group lacks something that their predecessors had, personal connection Due to a betrayal by one of their own, the league created a new charter, mandatory secret identities, zero fraternization, no sharing each other's personal lives. Of course, most of the team ignores this completely behind the other's backs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I'm sure that writer Joshua Williamson is setting up a valuable lesson about the importance of friendship. The story is decent. It features the return of a fun group of 90s villains. And Robson Roach's art is solid. Uh, reminding me a lot of Ivan Rice's work here in this issue. Uh, The second story by Ram V and Mario Takara, Marcio, sorry, Marcio Takara. There you go. Brings back the Justice League Dark following the loss of magic and the conquering
0: of, I think, Las Vegas. (laughs) possibly by uh at the hands of merlin the magician that's another thing like there's little things here like i said like when this takes place that could be dealt with also where just say las well, vegas no, no, like it,
1: does, <laughs> it does, they do say las vegas at multiple points in the story <laughs> i guess but just start off with that please but like at first i was like well did he conquer the world or what? is it just this one yeah, area that, that's, like I've had that, that's, that
0: part i will agree was unclear i've had those same thoughts about a lot of these what
1: remains of the team, Zatanna, Detective Chip, and Etrigan, the demon, with a delightful new host? Uh, search for Dr. Fate with the help of some old friends. I never really cared much about Justice League Dark since the concept was introduced with the new 52, but I thought that this was great. Uh, both the story and the art were very good. Future State Justice League number one sets up two compelling potential timelines. I'm looking forward to reading more of both. I'm giving it a buy it.
0: I, okay. I like justice league dark and it's been a fun series. The only thing I don't like about justice league dark is the title justice league dark, because that's a dumb dumb title. Just come up with something else. Like the, just the JLM, the justice league of magic or whatever, you know, you don't need the words justice league in it. Yeah. Uh, But I'm saying anything else would be fine.
1: You're, you're just so desperate to sell it.
0: Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I, I thought the first story was fun, and I like all the legacy characters here. They were very recognizable from their other books here. They did some clever stuff with them. I will say the choice of villains seemed a little, eh, I don't know, easy. Do you mean the villain revealed at the end or yeah. the villains? The villain the reveal at the end. I thought the first— Oh, I love
1: that. Are you kidding me? I freaking love that.
0: Really? See, I thought the first <laughs> villain reveal was like, oh, that's kind of fun. They got all these new characters and like that are, you know— reminiscent of older evil characters are fighting and then it's like nope it's these guys who have been around before and they're back uh whatever yeah but they
1: haven't been around for years though i guess that's true no
0: i i loved i loved that it was again
1: clear to me with this issue that these characters had been around a while
0: yes and they were very it it was further up the timeline it definitely was but they were still very reminiscent of the characters from the other books if we've seen them in and we'll discuss that later is my review of Future State Teen Titans, number one from D.C. Hold on to your pants, nerds, because this one is something. It was written by Tim Sheridan with art by Rafa Sandoval. Now, the story starts with Nightwing and a young female Arrow that has a Flash tattoo digging through the wreckage of Titan's Tower in the wreckage of New York City after Nightwing had escaped the fall of Bloodhaven and Gotham. That's just the beginning, and the only mention we get of that. Next, <laughs> there's a flashback to recognizable Titans, where they mention a character called the Red X that may or may not have been Dick Grayson. He definitely was Dick Grayson, but I don't, don't know if the referenced. I don't know if the original Red titans X was. Cartoon. Oh, it is. Yes. Okay, because I didn't know anything about this character. Then, in fact,
1: he says in the he says in the book he refers to the Red X. Ma- As his old mask.
0: He says he wore it, but I didn't know if he was the original one or he picked it up for a while because of what happens after that.
1: No. Well, okay. I mean, that's fair, but I believe that they're, I believe that they're cribbing from the cartoon in that like for a time, Dick adopted this second superhero identity as the Red X. Well, I
0: had no idea what that was. Then we meet Cyber Beast, a melding of Cyborg and Beast Boy. Kind of cool. And some other new team members like Chupacabra, Brat Girl. Oh, and Totally Tubular. <laughs> I wanted to know more about Totally Tubular. Oh, they call him Tubi for short. <laughs> it turns out Cybeast has found the Spear of Destiny, which they will need to fight the four riders. But Dick secretly has discovered an H dial, the rotary dial from dial H for Hero, which gives the dialer powers. Oh, and this is a two-part story that has something to do with the Flash title that we revealed last, reviewed last week, yeah, too. Th-
1: because <laughs> Wally, Wally west is possessed by one of the dark riders
0: well they visit his grave in the beginning of this they visit wallace west's grave which is the one one that wally killed okay which explains
1: why red arrow has the flash tattoo on her all right all
0: right sandoval's art and design on the characters is fantastic despite some of the characters names i love his look for nightwing but there is way too much going on with this story and it ends next issue <laughs> chaotic is the best way i could describe the story but it also wasn't terrible i think there was like a real lesson here in robin or dick's failure to lead and him trying to gently come back to power and show the titans i know the way to do this although he does make an odd choice in the end I wasn't, I read it twice and I'm still not sure if Raven is a bad guy or not. <laughs> I would describe what they tried to do here as a little overzealous. She was fighting a monster. Yeah, but the reasons why she was doing it were kind of hazy. And she had some evil characters with her, well, at least evil looking characters that I didn't recognize that were hanging out with her and stuff. I'm giving this a skim it. I could. Barely keep my head wrapped around what was going on in this.
1: You know, I actually really liked it because uh I thought that this was the most interesting the Teen Titans have been in a very long time. I will say
0: that. Now that, with that said, yes, there were some cool characters, really cool designs, good moments. There was just too much. There was just too much happening. Uh, we all,
1: we get a glimpse of what what. Um, I don't, I don't I will, know how, I will say I don't okay. know how to parse this we We get a glimpse of the Teen Titans Academy, uh which is something that they are going to have in the main DCU when we go back to the present. uh and like I, I loved the idea that that was like a golden age for them, or like the Titans had finally figured it out, Dick yeah. and Starfire and everybody they're like, "Yeah, we did it. We're training up the new generation. everything is great, but like New York is leveled completely no no this was before this was bef- this was before that
0: oh okay gotcha
1: i love concepts like this like uh, avengers academy or um uh the uh the initiative book that we had for a while um where it's just like there are a lot of students at this school some of them are really stupid <laughs> I suppose some of them are just goofy as hell. And I love that. Like, so like the idea that there's a character running around Titans Academy named totally tubular. What about brat
0: girl? <laughs> yeah. What was, I don't know. Like, I want to know, like, I want she's to know more about symbol, those characters, but her hair was like pulled into little bat ears. <laughs> like, yeah. And she's a jerk or something. I don't know. <laughs> she a brat. I don't know. I'm giving this a buy it because I
1: really had fun reading it. Man, like, I,
0: I I could barely follow it. <laughs> look, I agree.
1: There's a, there's a, ton of plot oh
0: my god <laughs> yeah, and it was like every other page it was like now we're with these people that are doing this thing and then like shazam shows up with some characters you've never seen and he's in some kind of trouble <laughs> like whoa what is going on yeah
1: no and i agree that the art was great i love rafa sandal
0: man he's great yeah
1: next up future state colon kara zorrel comma superwoman yeah we gotta
0: get get that carozoel in there so you can sell the book right (laughs) yeah (laughs) I get it
1: many years after the falling out with john kent as seen in superman of metropolis last week carozoel is living a life of peace caring for a colony of galactic refugees on the moon but what happens when that peace is interrupted by a strange visitor with dangerous abilities Marguerite Bennett's script doesn't shy away from the action, despite Superwoman's new pacifist lifestyle. And Bennett does a great job showing how the character has matured as she tries to mentor her new protege. Marguerite Sauvage's art is beautifully expressive and her colors are practically iridescent. The layouts are incredible and Sauvage slips between almost myth-like storytelling and superhero action seamlessly. I was really impressed with the uh, work by the two Marguerites on Superwoman number one. I'm giving it a buy it. This was a winner for me this week.
0: Yeah, this was really good. And I thought this was one of the few comics that did a very good job of establishing like hey, this is in an even further future where the character's already done some stuff and she's around. It's also not on Earth, so don't worry about it. Yeah, it's also not on Earth, so I don't have to be confused. Like, well, wait a minute. We were just in that city in the last book and it's completely leveled and in this book, it looks great. No, they set it up very well. They set up that it was a future super girl. She's, pardon me, Superwoman. She's very interesting. And in fact, she seems to be, I might even argue like the most mature of the characters we've seen in Future State so far. Like, doing the best job, probably? I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'm giving this a buy it as well. The art was fantastic. I was a little worried because uh, we're sort of 50-50 on Marguerite Bennett's work. But this was really good. So, buy it. Yeah, I loved it. Up next for me is Future State Superman and Wonder Woman from DC. It was written by Dan Waters with art by Lila Del Duca, with colors by Nick Filardi. In this book, John isn't having any of the issues he's having in Superman and Metropolis. In fact, here, Metropolis is a shining city on the hill, protected by its godlike Superman, but... Why is there two suns in the sky? Well, it turns out a rogue intelligent sun has come to kill Superman, but Wonder Woman's buddy, a sun god named Kuat, doesn't want another sun moving in on his territory, which leads to a scene of them both grunting at each other for five panels. I loved it. <laughs> Not making i making that it. up.
1: <laughs> I, I loved the fact that Wonder Woman, the new Wonder Woman, is just palling around with her South American god friends. I guess I
0: don't have any problems with that, but I felt like... Superman got a pretty good introduction and then we spent a lot of time with Sun Guy and other Sun and not as much time as I would have liked with Wonder Woman because she does some – like some really cool stuff in the beginning of this book and then she's gone for like seven or eight pages while we're dealing with this weird god stuff. Now, DC isn't doing future state many favors, in my opinion, by weaving all the Bat titles into one story, but really wandering off with this Superman story into what may be a totally different reality or a far future. Del Duca's art was really striking at times, especially seeing Wonder Woman catch a falling helicopter, but she had some serious face issues and a few anatomy problems, too. Water's script is trying as hard as possible to be clever, but the story comes off somewhere between, like, Golden Age wackiness and other times almost like a Teen Titans cartoon. This, it was charming, and it made Wonder Woman seem more interesting than the cocky, godlike Super John, but it left me wondering why. If this is a future story or a different reality, why is Yara Flora so recognizable from her other title, but John is completely different? I can only give this a skimmit, because it just left me scratching my head and there was definitely some art issues here. Uh, I mean,
1: I don't really, uh, I don't really necessarily agree that her version of uh, the Yara Floor in this book should have been any different than the Yara Floor in another book. I'm not saying it should have. I'm saying it was completely similar. Right. But, like, I'm not, I I don't know why that would be a a problem or something to question.
0: Because John was so different. Because John's wearing a cape. John has, like, godlike power. John has, like, no issues whatsoever and looks much older.
1: Well, again, I think that that can be chalked up to stylistic issues. Uh, uh, The cape, obviously, is an indicator of some sort of different time
0: period. I I would assume. Um, But you can fix that by saying 15 years after Superman and Metropolis. Boom, solved. There you go. So I think it
1: takes place before Superman in Metropolis. How? Because Metropolis is not in a bottle.
0: I mean, I guess, but I assume Metropolis didn't stay in a bottle forever either. So how do we know it's before or after?
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I guess that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know what? You might be
0: right. Maybe it is after. It's got to be after. They made him look so much Because he's much more competent. Yeah. I mean, like, he's literally godlike in power in this. And In Superman and Metropolis, he's having all kinds of issues. And Superwoman's like, you're not ready for this. They've got that fake kryptonite shit going on. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. Nobody trusts you. And in this, all the citizens are like, we love Superman. The first thing he does is wake up in the morning, shoot lasers into the clouds and be like, good morning, Metropolis. Superman loves you. (laughs) It spells it out. And they're all like, yay. That is nothing like that is happening in the other Metropolis we saw.
1: Yeah, you know what? You've convinced me. I think this takes place after Superman and Metropolis. It's got to be, but we don't um, know.
0: That's what bugged me.
1: I, I agree that it's a skim it. I agree that the art had issues. Where Matt and I break on this matter is that I don't think it's necessarily important to know how each individual future state title lines up with the others. Unless they are directly referenced, as in the Teen Titans one and the Flash one, or what we think is happening in the Bat Books, uh, just because of the. Of the status quo in Gotham city. Like, I don't, I think you read Superman and Metropolis for that story. You read Superman, Wonder Woman for this story. It doesn't really matter how they line up because they might not, they might not line up. Well, it's easy for them to take care of that too, though.
0: And they just don't. That's my only point,
1: except they do because at the beginning of every single one of these comics has been a blurb that says, The universe is saved. The multiverse is reborn. I get it. Here are potential glimpses into what could be the future of the DC multiverse. Totally
0: get it. And also all the Bat books are tied together and Teen Titans and the Flash are tied together. And some other books are tied together too. So it might be nice to know who is and who is not tied together.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, and and my point is don't worry about it till it becomes an issue because it's not an issue right now.
0: For you. It's an issue for me.
1: Well, that's because you're an old grumpus. Fair enough. And you have not enlightened beyond the need for strict continuity like I have. also an issue
0: they can fix with one sentence.
1: Literally. And my argument is that that sentence is already at the beginning of every book.
0: I disagree.
1: Future state Robin Eternal, number one. Tim Drake and his allies must storm the flying laboratory of the magistrate to stop his scientists from using Lazarus Pit Resin To create an unstoppable (laughs) army of cyborg super soldiers. (laughs) Unfortunately, vigilantes have been outlawed in Gotham city. So accomplishing the mission is easier said than done. The art by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferreira is excellent. Uh, It reminds me of their time on detective comics. Unfortunately, that familiarity is a bit of a problem for the story itself because while the other future state bat books had something new to offer, a new Batman, Bruce Wayne in a new status quo, Harley Quinn in a new status quo. This is just like a slightly older Robin in a situation we've seen before. Heroes are outlawed. Villains are in charge.
0: But I mean, is that what's going on in all the bat books too, though? Yes, but what I just said is that those yeah. books had something new to say. All right, fair enough. I would argue And Harley right now,
1: this that. book has not said, it, it just feels like the same theme we've seen repeated in Batman over and over for the past several years. It's not even that it's bad. And there is a fun, like morbid kind of twist at the end. Uh, but it, it all just reads a bit familiar. I'm giving Robin
0: Eternal number one a It. I agree. This didn't bring a lot new to the table. I, I like that it's focusing on Tim because I like Tim Drake so much. If it doesn't end up with him going into the Lazarus pit and becoming, you know, truly eternal, then I'm going to be just as mad as this as I will at Batman RIP because he didn't die. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, but I, I'm giving it a skim it. I, I feel like all of these books are, it's not even the book's fault. Like you said, it was perfectly fine, but all these books are put in kind of an impossible position Where I think Robin Eternal's one that it's only two parts, right? I think so. Yeah, it's not a four-part thing. So it's like they're trying to tell this huge story in the backdrop of Gotham along with the story as it's affected to Tim, and it just all feels a little crushed. And it can feel kind of samey with like, yeah, didn't we just get out of this city of Bane shit that was very similar that we also found very hard to swallow that like the rest of the United States was just like, well, I guess the supervillain's in charge of Gotham now. Although we did have a supervillain encourage a bunch of people to storm the Capitol last week and we we still can't kick him out of office. So maybe it's not that unreal. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, and also – it's not the first time that the United States has written
0: off Gotham City. <laughs> no, that's true. I will say Gotham City does get written off a lot, it seems. But I am a little tired of it. I'm giving it a skim it. Again, not bad. Looked very good. Happy to see Eddie Barrows here. Love Tim Drake, but it's just a skim it. For me. Up next for me is Future State Green Lantern, number one from DC. Three stories here. The first one is written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Tom Rainey. The second is written by Ryan Cady, with art by Sammy Bassery, and the third is written by Ernie Altbecker, with art by Clayton Henry. This comic features three stories. The first features Jon Stewart with dreads. A fearsome Nort and Salak are defending a planet from the Coons. That's all you really need to know, because that's all we really get, and we don't even know what's going on other than the Coons are screaming, glory to the Red God, which has got to be something with the Red Lanterns, I'm guessing. Story 2 features Jessica Cruz defending an empty GL headquarters from Yellow Lanterns. And finally, Guy Gardner ends up stranded on an undeveloped planet with two warring species where he becomes their prophet and slowly changes their world over 25 damn years. (laughs) If I'm the editor of this comic... I might think about placing the Jessica Cruz story first to establish a little more story as to why none of the Green Lanterns have powered rings anymore. I didn't even recognize Tom Rainey's art on the first story. It's not bad. It's just not the Tom Rainey I remember. I will say he drew some of the heads pretty big (laughs) at times. It was still good. Yeah. But it was just like he's definitely his style's definitely evolved a little. It was just pretty much non-stop action with no setup whatsoever. The second story was fine, and it established that the Yellow Lanterns still have their powered rings. And the final story was a lot of fun with fantastic art by Clayton Henry and actually showed us a Green Lantern losing the power to his ring. Now Unlike last week's Superman and Metropolis, which tried to do way too much with the story, this was the complete opposite. It just dropped the reader into three different Green Lantern stories with no explanation whatsoever as to why the Guardians are gone, the core was disbanded, except for a few friends that stuck together, I guess. This wasn't bad, but it was a jarring read that doesn't set up a mystery as much as it just doesn't talk about what happened. I'm giving this a skim it, because while it wasn't yeah, bad, you are being way too hard on these books. While well, it wasn't bad, I just like, I'm sorry, but the main thing about the Green Lanterns and the Green Lantern Corps is they have Green Lanterns and they don't even discuss I it, what happened. But the characters themselves aren't even curious as to what happened. But that's because we're at a
1: point in their story where it's already an established thing. We don't need to see them standing
0: around going, gee, I wonder what happened to my ring. I would argue Guy Gardner fell out of the sky with his ring. Well,
1: that was different. And we saw him in the moment where he lost his power. But in the first story and in the second story, it's already been a it's already been a while. It's obviously been a while.
0: If we had six issues or perhaps Ten issues to explore this and slowly unwrap the mystery i might agree but we get four issues of this or Wait, not even i think we get two we issues
1: don't, of this we that's, that this is again where we are going to part ways on this issue because i don't think we need to have the whole story
0: you don't care at it's all what just, happened to the green lanterns and why they don't have rings anymore yet that you, do you don't know, care at all do you
1: know why i don't care in the long run because that's never going to actually happen it's never going to actually happen. When they go back to main Green Lantern, it's never going to actually happen.
0: Okay, well, I guess that would reinforce why I give it a skim. It. Why do I actually have to read this?
1: <laughs> because it's fun. You read it because it's fun. I it's thought it fun was fun to see.
0: I thought it was fun. Fun
1: to see a. It's fun to see a what if future where John Stewart is this grizzled freedom fighter without powers. Sure. But even that story. Like, I, I don't need them to hold my hand. They're just saying, hey, look, check this out. Go for
0: it. But even in that story, we had like Nort was a fearsome animal and stuff. And like, so what? Slack was, you know, like shooting guns with each hand and whatever. Like, what is happening? What's even going on here? They're I need more. I need some kind of setup, something. And they didn't. It's just like, here's three random stories. Go. Don't worry about I why don't. they lost their power. It's not important.
1: I don't need, I don't need the handholding in an event like this. That's, I do not need them. That's
0: not handholding. That's fleshing it out is your story. Hand-holding.
1: When there's, when they're saying, Hey, we are dropping you into the middle of a bunch of potential stories already in progress. Look, I mean, we're going to, we can debate this until we're blue in the face, but let's, let's just put this to bed right now because I can't do it for an entire month. It's okay. If we disagree, No, of but course, personally speaking, yeah, personally speaking if the the idea of this event is just a tease it's a tease of stories that could be I don't need
0: I don't need the tease to start from the first day of the story I don't either but you could take care of it with one sentence again the Green Laners lost their power when this happened here's where they are now
1: explain that in the book they they explain the fact that they've lost their powers in the book but not maybe we don't know why we have no clue why
0: <laughs> and all the other not, lanterns still have
1: power n- but that's not the point of this particular story
0: what was the point
1: to see these characters in different situations
0: okay i guess that's why i'm giving I, it to skim it
1: which i very much enjoyed and i'm giving it a buy it okay because i don't need everything to have some grander purpose Sometimes a good story is just a good story, and it's a fun thing to read.
0: So, what if they dropped you into a storyline where Superman didn't have his powers and he had cancer and he was dying, and they just focused on the fact that he had cancer, he was dying, and then it ended with his death? Would you be all right with that?
1: Would you want to know good? how he?
0: Would you want to know how he got cancer? <laughs> like, is it a good story? Would you be curious as to how he got to that position when Superman can't get cancer? I might be
1: curious, but I might, but I'm not going to say this book is bad because it didn't explain everything from the beginning of his diagnosis. I didn't
0: say it was bad. I didn't give it leave it. Gave it a skim it.
1: That's an entire downgrade, which I I don't think is fair to this book, which I thought was great. That's your opinion, man. The the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice.
1: Thank God. Our last review of the week. It goes to Young Offenders, number one, from Weekend Warrior Comics. But wait, Joe, you might be thinking to yourself, this is not a future state comic.
0: Yeah, you might want to do this quietly so the guards don't hear you. It's because they only put out seven
1: future state comics this week, and so we snuck one in. We hid it behind our poster of Bridget Bardot, the 50 foot tall woman.
0: Yeah. I used my little like rock hammer and I made a hole. It
1: wasn't Bridget Bardot. It was Raquel
0: Welch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all white women. They all look the same, you know, whatever. um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) After a group of young. Nope. After a group of Earth's heroes vanished during a cosmic event, their children and proteges are left to pick up the pieces and solve the mystery of their disappearance. It instantly reminded me of Landry Walker's Danger Club, yeah, which I was a huge fan of. Uh, that book just like disappeared and limped to some kind of conclusion over the course of like I don't know four or five years.
0: Yeah, I think you both got <laughs> it. Felt job. like an
1: eternity. Yeah, writer Mark O. Stack has assembled a great cast of likable characters. We've got Demon Boy Lark Shatterproof, who hates being called Shatterproof. He just wants to be called colin or whatever it was uh bruja and the mysterious whiz kid i'm pretty sure they only call her whiz kid in the back manner her name is elaine
0: which all better names than totally tubular and brat girl
1: yes i know but i still (laughs) wanted to know about those characters stack's script is light and fun despite the high stakes and the banter between the young heroes is really enjoyable uh, I adored the art by Mike Becker. His style is nicely exaggerated. It's kind of in the vein of Michael Avon Oeming or uh, Fire Breather's Andy Kuhn. Oh, yeah. If you remember that yeah. book. Becker's character designs are fantastic, with each having their own distinct and interesting identity. This issue is also full of great back matter, spotlighting the process of creating the story and the characters, and a backup story featuring a younger Lark training to take over the mantle from her father while running afoul of his greatest nemesis. Now, I, while it is built on a premise that's a bit familiar, uh, Young Offenders, number one, is full of big ideas. I loved like the villains with the kind of like Aztec-y kind of like death god uh, look and theme to them.
0: I think it's Aztec-ish is the word. aztec Um... <laughs>
1: It's wonderfully executed by a group of up and coming young talents. I'm giving this a buy it. I thought it was great. Uh, You can pick it up if you're interested for $5 digitally on the website. Uh, They're also doing print on demand through Gumroad. That's going to cost you 10 bucks, but you know, they're self-publishing it's print on demand, support them or, or you, or
0: be a jerk about it. Support these guys because they're going to be famous. They are. They're going to be famous soon. They wrote a fantastic book. I'm giving it a bite as well. just going to throw that out there. This is very good, and these are going to be names you're going to see later, and investing in something like a Gun Road comic is investing in something that is truly going to be collectible because they're not going to print a bunch of them. They're going to print them to order, and that's it. So if that's your jam, go out, fund these guys, let them know that you want more of this stuff, and you support directly support creators. This was great. And like you said, nothing new by any means, but it's just fun. And it's fun written by guys that obviously love things like I I suddenly can't find the name of the story you mentioned. Jesus. But Danger like Club. that loved books like Danger Club, who again were guys that were homaging creators that they love. This was just really well done. Great character designs, great names good back matter they've obviously got an idea of where they're going and a bigger universe here and it wouldn't surprise me if something like young offenders does end up an image eventually and you could be the uh, guy and- that bought the number one from gum road and then bam you're cooler than everybody else
1: and uh if you look at the credits page at the beginning you will see that uh a bunch of these characters appeared in other stories uh from this this banner this weekend warrior Banner.
0: Yeah, these guys have and, uh, much bigger plans, and I hope they get to carry them all out because this was a lot of fun. So, which book did it for you, Joe? What was the best of the second wave of future sti- titles you read? Meaning, we can't pick the last book that we reviewed. <laughs> it's
1: fine. Uh, I'm torn between Dark Detective and Superwoman. And I'm tempted to pick Superwoman, uh, Kara zor comma, Superwoman. I think that uh, of every, any future state book so far, it has, it's done the best job firmly
0: establishing its status. I totally agree. And that's why I think you agree with me. You just don't want to. I don't agree <laughs> with you. I'm just saying, like, it, it's got the clearest,
1: it, like, it, like, it came out of the gate. It knew what it was. Yeah. There, there were, was no confusion.
0: No questions. I had no problem with it. What about you? I really liked uh, Superwoman, but I'm going to give it to Dark Detective because I think it made me more excited for this creative team on Detective Comics. And you and I have been screaming about how Dan Mora needs to have the biggest job in the world because the guy is so goddamn talented. And by the way, having Jordi Belair in colors doesn't hurt at all. This book looked incredible. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I'm giving it to Dark Detective the backup story was so goddamn good. And I cannot believe I'm getting excited about a Wildstorm character in the regular DC universe, but goddamn it. Cole Cash and look, they're doing it right. Just slip him in there. You don't have to give us this like oh yeah, all that Wildstorm stuff sort of kind of happened in the DCU. DC just didn't pay attention to an alien. No. He's just, he's a dude. He's a dude with a gun, wears a mask. He's kind of a scoundrel. He's been around. (laughs) You know, like that's all I need. Great. I loved it. (laughs) That is not that is y- <laughs> what he sounded like when he was attacking someone.
1: <laughs> that is your second round of future state reviews. And oh, is the sound of a. <laughs> <much> more- <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, potato potato. That's the sound of a much more feral future state. biting a cund in battle as seen in the pages of future state Greenlander Number one, uh, this onomatopoeia of the week was mandated by our DC overlords, but. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week in the uh, unlikely event that we escape this prison, you can post it to any of our social media accounts or send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com or better yet, call us at 402-819-4894. Make the noise. Tell us where it came from and what's happening and we'll play it on the show. No matter how you submit, please note, we need to know what comic it's from, what is happening in the panel, we need the context,
0: babies. Yeah. That's it for reviews, and normally we'd head up to THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss our must-read picks for next week, but the guards have stripped our Sanctum privileges because Joe decided to review a non-future state book. So it's well, wait until next week. So instead, we're out here in the yard trying to keep clear of the Mole Man Supremacist gang that's been trying to recruit Joe. Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't you stop accepting smokes from your racist friends and tell the nerds about your must read pick for next week while I sharpen this toothbrush handle to protect us? At least I'm doing something.
1: Look, man, smokes are currency in this place. I'm trying to get us ahead.
0: You're going to regret that uh, mole man swastika when you get out of jail. I'll tell you what. (laughs)
1: Mole men don't speak English, they don't know what a swastika looks like. My pick for next week is Crimson Flower, number one from Dark Horse. It's written by Matt Kent with art by Matt Lesniewski. It's 32 pages for, uh, for $3.99. Here is your solicit. From New York Times bestselling mind-migment creator Matt Kent and Matt Lesniewski, who did The Freak, comes a brand new mind-altering journey through Russian folktales, trained assassins, and government conspiracies, after losing her family in a violent home invasion, a woman uses folk tales to cope. In a blood-soaked journey toward revenge, she tracks down the man responsible for her family's deaths, only to discover a startling government plot to weaponize folk tales and use them to raise children into super assassins. Man,
0: leave it to Matt Kent to pick some boilerplate, boring old plot we've read a million times. <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> Holy uh, shit, Matt Kent. <laughs> it's more Matt Kent weirdness. How could it not be my pick? Woo, that is wild. My pick for next week is Maestro Warren Pax. Number one from Marvel Comics is written by Peter David with art by Javier Pina. Here's your solicit. Peter, David, and the Maestro return in a brand new series, colon, because we did that mini-series and it sold really well. The man once known as the Hulk is now neither man nor Hulk. Call him only the Maestro! After deposing Dystopia's ancient ruler, the Maestro sets his sights even bigger. It's time the entire planet Earth recognize their one true God. But the maestro isn't the only immortal left. And if he wants to truly dominate the planet, he'll have to face the most powerful beings in creation. I'm not going to read the rest. It's just about Peter David doing shit. I loved the Peter David Maestro miniseries. It was so much better than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. It makes me miss how Peter David wrote the Hulk. And that is not to say that I don't love the immortal Hulk, but I do miss sort of the superhero thing that Peter David brought to it. And this, yeah, man, it's so much fun. And I love the maestro. I just love the maestro. So. <laughs> totally in on this one.
1: The THN trade of the week goes to vision and the Scarlet witch, the saga of Wanda and vision. It's a trade paperback from Marvel comics written and drawn by various it's 472 pages for 34.99. Here's your solicit. The unlikely romance between the Vision and the Scarlet Witch is one of the most famous Avengers storylines of all. Now witness what happens when the two heroes finally get married and settle down in the suburbs. If you think they're gonna live the quiet life, think again. Wanda embraces her sorceress heritage, but can a revelation about her family tree be believed? The Vision's past threatens their future as Ultron and the Grim Reaper strike. And things get even stranger when Wanda's magic spells lead to the couple becoming a family. That's right. Despite all odds, the Scarlet Witch is Pregos. <laughs> and now Wanda and Vision must prepare for the biggest r- responsibility of their lives.
0: So this is the old <laughs> stuff. This is not- This collects
1: a ton of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Giant Size Avengers number four, uh, the two Vision and Scarlet Witch minis from the uh, mid-80s, and West Coast Avengers number two. Uh,
0: I'm not exactly sure what happens in that one. So real quick, we should just set up, if you're excited for WandaVision-
1: Exactly. That's why I picked it. Like We got WandaVision coming on Friday.
0: I'm excited too, but be warned, (laughs) this is not the material- that they are going to be lifting the TV show
1: from now. I, but I think that it's material that inspired some of
0: the stuff that's going to be. In the I TV do show. think there will definitely be some inside jokes, but there's no way the Grim Reaper shows up.
1: We're there's not. No way. Nobody, <laughs> nobody is suggesting they're doing an adaptation. Yes. I just saying, like this is those definitely who don't the know. formative
0: material for these two characters. Yes. But for those who don't know, because some of them, Maybe they hear this podcast for the first time and they go, hey, that's, yeah, WandaVision's coming out this week. Joe and Matt said this straight paperback's all about it. And they go and read it and go, what in the actual fuck is this? (laughs) Because these are some wacky stories, man. The, uh, the, I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> Look, if you're, if we're 12 years into the MCU and you don't already realize that the comics and the movies are totally different in tone and style, then we,
0: what are you even doing We, here? we just got to remember that it's everybody's, it's somebody's first time every time. That's all. That's all I'm saying.
1: Well, I mean, I know that I say that, but if this is their first time reading a comic book, boy, howdy. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's exactly why I gave it the little... You know like cigarette disclaimer that it could cause cancer <laughs> Okay. <laughs> be sure to pick up these comics so you can read along with us and let us know what you're reading too don't forget to go and pick up god killers war on terror it is our book club book of the month we'll be reviewing at the end of the month on our final show and as always you can find our complete review list every wednesday on our twitter and our facebook if you want to read along with us but make sure you are putting all the books that you are ordering on your pull list it is the best and only way to help your local comic shop right now the COVID is still raging it's still bad out there regardless of what some people will tell you your comic shop needs all the help you they can get pre-order your damn comics people Excelsior that is it for THN 605 it's time for us to get back into lockup next week we're reviewing future state wave 3 and possibly a couple other comics but don't tell the warden okay until then Give these nerds a new question of the week, and you can bet your bottom dollar to make jokes about smuggling other comics into the ziggurat up somebody's butt next week.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. This week's question was submitted by Ryan Hebrews Mount via Twitter. What artists are crushing it at non-Marvel, DC, or Image Books right now? Yeah, that's right. True Indies. Or Dark, Dark Horse, not more- Dark
0: Horse either Get Dark Horse out of there, forget it
1: uh, No, I would argue that Dark Horse still has some pretty obscure people working on it ah. So I'm going to say Dark Horse is fair game Dark Horse is fair game Now he's looking for more up-and-comers
0: <laughs> Okay, so Mike Magnola is killing
1: it <laughs> Now who would pick Mike Magnola, Matt? That's I just not- did I did, what do you think of that? There you go He's looking for more, uh, more of an up-and-comer Than, say, a big name doing an indie book Yes uh, for example, Terry Moore had a new book out this week that's a sequel to Rachel Rising. Uh, Terry Moore probably uh, not qualified for
0: this this question. Nah, been around. But then again, if you just discovered him, hey, get excited. I suppose make yeah. the, hey, you know what? Make the case. Make a, make a case, case for case. it. Like I just
1: found Who this. Who are we guy. to say? If you call in and say Mike Magnola, what are we going to do about it? Uh, bonus question. What are your favorite artists to follow on social media to see their work? Oh, that's fun. I like that one. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, Now, guys, please keep your question of the week suggestions coming. Uh, We need them every week, every week. And right now, I don't think I have any in the can. So hit me up, email, Twitter, Facebook, forums. You know what to do. Uh, Leave a message on the voicemail. Send
0: an MP3. We don't care. Just get it to us. If it's a good question and we choose to use it, we will personally send you a check for $200. So there's that. That's pretty cool, right? That, uh, yeah.
1: THN is not guaranteed for $200 for any uh, services writer. Uh, TM, TM, copyright, copyright.
0: (laughs) TM, TM, copyright,
1: copyright. Roman numerals. Cover to cover. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) MMXX. Cover to Cover is back every Saturday at 11 Central Time live on our Facebook page and our Zoom ch- video chat. So call us at 402 819 4894. Shoot an MP3 of your answer to 2 at nerd at or hang out with us in the Zoom chat and talk with us that way. However, you choose to do it, we'll make you internet famous. Uh, if you are sending in a voicemail or an MP3, please keep it on the shorter side, two minutes or less. Uh, and Because we're trying to share the air with everybody uh, But if you're calling in live And we're having a good time And there's not a, people, a bunch of people trying to beat down the
0: door We're not going to kick you off yeah. We ain't jerks Saturday morning, we're wasted we're, you know let's, let's hang out, it's going to be awesome yeah. If you're new to the show and you would rather A robot comes and gets us pregnant So we're too busy to do any more I assure you It's only because you haven't heard enough good news is, you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at twoeditnerd.com Posting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like our newest patron, Steve from Space City! (laughs) I have never been to Space City, but I hear Space City is just gorgeous. And you know what I like about it? It's not on Earth. <laughs> that's my favorite yeah, part.
1: <laughs> you know what they always, you know the famous, you know the famous saying. You know, Space City is for lovers. Uh, I've always wanted to go. Is that right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Space City is for space lovers. Uh, thank you,
0: Steve. Are you not uh, going to qualify? Said, what the fuck is Space City? No, that's how he signed his message. Oh, okay. So that's I how, thought maybe you knew something, something that I didn't. I'll like, I'll take it. Like, that, I don't. I know nothing. That's even cooler because uh, it's a complete mystery. That's, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. He's a mystery man. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to veteran artist Steve Lytle, who passed away suddenly and way too young. uh, Right after
0: we recorded last week's show, too. Like, oh, man.
1: Yes. uh, He died from uh, heart issues directly related to the coronavirus. Uh, He was only 61. Uh, For those that don't know the name, he was never really a household name but he was one of the definitive legion of superheroes artists in the 80s after Keith Giffen loved the book yeah uh, and you might not know it again you might not recognize his name but you've definitely seen one of the many hundreds of covers oh, without a did doubt. for Marvel or DC without a doubt and like he was a tremendous artist and just like a sweetheart of a guy yeah. i was lucky enough to Uh, Spend time with him at PlanetCon in Kansas City On a number of occasions Um, And yeah, he's just He was the best
0: Steve Lytle, Uh, huge loss Yeah, I I discovered him on Classic X-Men Was where I first met the guy Man, Loved his work Loved it
1: The first X-Men comic I ever bought Had a Steve Lytle cover It was an issue of Classic X-Men
0: until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just invoke the 25th Amendment on you. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. If your retailer's Mike Pence, will be too big of a pussy to do it. But don't worry! <laughs> <laughs>